Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the program that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan, and today we're talking about the role that emotions play in our well-being. You know, it's only been uh, in the last couple of decades that researchers have really understood why positive emotions are so important for long-term well-being. If negative emotions warn us that it's time for fight, flight, or freeze, then positive emotions message could probably be summarized as approach and learn. And as well as being pleasant to experience, it turns out that frequent experiences of positive emotions, such as joy, humor, curiosity, excitement, awe, or contentment, can actually lead to long-term benefits. If you're curious, keep listening. My guest today is Sue Langley. Sue is CEO of the Langley Group and developer of LGI's Diploma of Positive Psychology, which is delivered all over Australia which teaches people from all walks of life about the science of well-being and how to apply it personally or in the workplace. Mm. Sue's been responsible for teaching thousands of business people about emotions and emotional intelligence. She's the perfect person to talk to about how emotions can build our well-being. Sue, welcome to Bringing Well-Being to Life. We're delighted to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure, Denise, always. So, Sue, first of all, talk to us a little bit about positive and negative emotions. What, what do they mean and why do they matter? Yeah, look, I think it's a really interesting thing. And first of all, I'd like to distinguish between what we mean by positive and negative. So emotions are often classified as positive, neutral, negative, if you like, on a bit of a spectrum from a research perspective. And yet for us as real people, we've got to be careful we don't equate positive and negative to good and bad. Sometimes people then equate negative emotions to bad and I shouldn't feel them, etc., um, and positive emotions to good. And that is not the case. Um, emotions are just data, they're information, and they are trying to tell us something. So they're giving us information, if you like. So as far as what are the functions, well, if we think about some of the negative emotions, you mentioned fight, fright, fight flight, and freeze. Um, if we think about anger, anger is telling me that something or someone is getting in my way that I'm feeling blocked, that I can't get to a particular goal or an outcome. And therefore, anger, the emotion of anger, is telling me that. Um, And what I choose to do with that then may be good or bad, but the anger is just telling me that I'm feeling blocked in some way. Fear is an obvious one. I'm feeling psychologically or physically threatened. So obviously there's a real function for that. If you start to experience fear, it means basically there is some threat. Now, of course, it could be physical, Um, It could be psychological, like you're worried you're going to get made redundant in the next restructure, or um, you're worried you might not fit in at school or in a club that you're going to. Um, We mentioned earlier that I'm um, heading off to Venice and amongst all of these neuroscientists, and I have a little bit of anxiety going, oh, how am I going to fit in? There are all these, you know, scientists and researchers. So that emotion of fear and anxiety is telling me, um, is giving me some data, but it's not bad but it prepares me for then what I might do. 
if we think about then positive emotions, again, some of those wonderful emotions that you um, commented on, um, when I feel excitement, it means something's working out, something's happened, good stuff has happened. Um, things have got out of my way, if you like, and I'm getting things that I value. Um, but as you mentioned, there are a whole range of positive emotions there. Curiosity encourages me to open my mind, explore, to be open to new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. Um, and that's one of the ways of learning. Um, joy often connects us with other people and humor, amusement, those sorts of things. So there's all sorts of different emotions and the functions are whether they connect us with somebody or in the case of some of those negative emotions, um, tell us that something's wrong and we've got to do something different. So what's the big, like, you know, what's the big deal? Why should we care about positive emotion? <laughs> well, I think all the research is now telling us that um, positive emotions have a huge um, opportunity for us. We've spent a lot of time uh, over the last sort of 100 years of psychology looking at the negative emotions and what's wrong with us and how do we fix them and those sorts of things in corporates. We've done stress management and all this sort of stuff. Um, but positive emotions seem to, as you talked about that approach and learn, um, it's about connection to other human beings. When I'm feeling happy, when I'm feeling positive, I am more likely to be approachable, to be open, to be helpful, to be altruistic, to be collaborative, all of those really good things. Well, again, if we want our uh, teams, our schools, our communities to flourish, surely that's what we need. We need people who are feeling like they want to collaborate and they want to help. And again, if I'm in that space, think about the things that would never have happened if we hadn't collaborated. Cathedrals wouldn't have been built, companies wouldn't have been created, communities wouldn't have um, come about because we wouldn't help each other if we we're all in a threat response all the time. So I think there's that, but I think we're now learning from a brain perspective and a body perspective how our positive emotions help us physically. Um, the fact that they boost my immune system, my cardiovascular health increases when I'm in a positive emotional state. Um, my brain actually fires differently. So I think there's all sorts of really cool things that are happening, not just from a human connection, but from a physical and a mental perspective as well that I find exciting. So, so what you're saying is when you or I experience positive emotion, it's not just that it feels good, but that it actually changes us in the moment, like you're saying, changes the way our brain is firing, but also changes us afterwards. You're saying better physical resources? Same. Yeah, so all sorts of things. So there's some wonderful research around physical resources such as your immune system gets a bit of a boost. Your digestion improves when you're in a, a positive um, emotional state. So you've got the physiological things, cardiovascular health, um, even grip strength. I love the fact that somebody's actually tested when we're in a positive emotional state, our grip strength increases. Um, so there's all sorts of wonderful things and um, as you would know Barbara Fredrickson's broaden and build theory talks about some of those physical and mental things so think about when you're in a good mood think about when you're taking your dog for a walk or you're feeling content and calm you're walking along a beach somewhere and all of a sudden your brain will come up with these different ideas and it will create patterns or it will make connections and you'll have a great idea about a new program you're going to run with teachers or something new that you could do from a research perspective. Um, it's often in those sort of more calm, positive emotional states where we make those connections and our brain can fire. And I love some of the research around creativity. When you look at a brain imagining and being curious, so many different areas are lit up that 
it's just like your brain is clearly having a ball at that point in time. <laughs> I love that description. Your brain is having a ball. <laughs> so given that there are so many benefits that, you know, that there are psychological and physical benefits and they're long term um, from us experiencing more positive emotion. I guess the next question is, so what can we do to increase positive emotion in our lives? Oh, that's a really good question. And I think um, for me, I often talk about being a smorgasbord. Imagine yourself at a buffet style restaurant and there's a whole bunch of different foods out there. There are things that you like that I don't. There are things that I like that you don't. I'll keep going back for more of one thing, but I won't touch another thing. Yeah. And I think it's the same with some of the strategies and tools that we can use to boost our positive emotions is we've got to be careful about just reading the research and going, that will work for you. Um, because maybe it doesn't. Um, gratitude is one of my favorite strategies. I will absolutely contemplate the things I'm grateful for. I will write down every night three things. The research tells me I shouldn't do it every night, but for me, it works. Um, so little things like that. Um, there is research around a number of different things, but if I think about favorite ones for me, um, curiosity is a favorite one for me, actually exploring things and um, uh, really paying attention to things, um, digging a little bit deeper perhaps, and um, savoring is one for me. I'm, I must be the saddest person in the world because I go down the beach, my beach, fairly regularly, and I swear every morning I have to take a photo um, <laughs> because I'm there and I'm looking at it and it's so beautiful and I'm savoring it, I'm taking it all in, I'm like, oh, I'll just take a photo. And it's like, you did that yesterday. But it's just something about I love spending those moments. Um, mindfulness. Mindfulness is a great strategy that works for some people more than others. We know the research tells us there's huge benefits. Um, me personally, I like walking mindfulness. I like it down the beach. But I probably don't do it in other situations where maybe other people think I should. Um, so I think it's about lots of different strategies and noticing, but most importantly, prioritizing those things. Because sometimes um, it's very easy to go through the things you have to do in life. You know, you're at work and you've got to tick things off your list and all that sort of thing. But it's often the things that are conducive to our well-being that we forget. It's easy to suddenly realize you haven't got to your exercise today or you haven't eaten as healthily as you could or you haven't done your gratitude or your mindfulness. These are the things that drop off. Yeah. So I think it's not just about there are set strategies it's that do you prioritize the positivity do you prioritize the little tools that are your well-being because I know myself there are things I do every single day um, and I swear if I stopped doing them then my well-being would probably drop yeah yeah I know I, I kind of think about it as um, for me as a spectrum that there are um, the, the hard end for me is how do we turn around a bad feeling, negative emotions. And then in the middle, there's kind of um, not squashing, not squashing the opportunities for good emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I rush through my day and someone comes in to give me a hug and I go too busy, I've just squashed an opportunity. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you talk about gratitude and savoring, I see that as making a little bit more room and not squashing the good stuff. Mm, absolutely. Because often and, uh, people talk about how do we put more good things in, and I think, well, if you don't squash the stuff that's already there, that's a good start. Absolutely, and, then, and sometimes it's the little things of making time. Um, and, and funny enough, I say making time, 
if you're actually connected with another human being and you're really present in that moment, you might find your conversation actually takes shorter anyway, but it's much more valuable. Um, so it is those little moments of being present, being uh, more Ellen Langer's side of mindfulness rather than mindlessness, rather than necessarily meditation, but being mindful about when I'm with you, I'm with you, and I'm not half doing this or half doing that or half looking at my phone or my kids come in and I'm in the middle of something else and I just go, yeah, how was your day? But I'm not really present. I'm not really listening. So I agree with you. You know, it's very easy for us to sort of crush the things that actually we know bring us well-being. And if we can try and take those opportunities and savor those opportunities and hang on to them, then that's got to help. And so, and so in terms of the, the making space for, we've talked about being grateful for the good things that we have and really savoring the good moments and actually being mindful and being kind of fully present. Um, and then if I think about what you said about what's to me the, the, the top end of the spectrum, which is like prioritizing and creating space for good things or positive emotion and structuring. Um, if I was to think about doing a bit of restructuring, what might be some of the things you'd advise me to put in? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, it's a real basic one, but again, I come back to how the brain is wired. Um, eat, sleep, and exercise are always really useful. Um, so if you are going to restructure a few things, then making sure that there is some form of exercise. And I guess my belief is, try and fit things into what you already do so that it's easier to create a habit. So if somebody tells me I've got to practice an hour of mindfulness in the morning and an hour of mindfulness in the evening, and I've got to do an hour of exercise before breakfast and an hour before dinner, it's never going to happen. Um, Cause we all have lives. We're busy. Um, well, maybe it can happen for some people, but I have other things I need to do too. Yeah. So for me, if I'm going for a walk down the beach, why can't I do my five minutes of mindfulness when I'm down there? Why can't I savor when I'm there? So I'm almost layering my positive um, strategies so that they build. Um, so I think that's one thing is careful we're not putting too much pressure on ourselves of you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to completely revamp your life. But let's tack on things to what we already do. One of the things I have to admit I love is the whole research around physiology because it's a really simple one is just watching what your body's doing. Are you slumped? Are you down? Are you feeling lethargic? Well, sit up, put your shoulders back, put a big, big smile on your face. And it sounds really stupid. Um, and yet a lot of the research around how our emotions influence us is linked to our physiology. You know, when you get fear, you experience fear, you have, you know, prickles that go up on the back of your neck, you have your heart beats faster. When you're calm and content, your heart rate is slower, you've got a smile on your face. You know, so emotions affect us physically. So for me, I use my body physically to try and generate the emotions that I want or at least try and stop myself falling into a slump. <laughs> okay. And just I love that you say eat, sleep, exercise because they often get slipped off the list. They do. You know, and, and everyone's talking about psychology and it's like, yeah, we're human beings in a body. Um, <laughs> I, re I remember when I... I'd begun to study positive psychology and, and I was sharing a room um, with this woman and we were talking about what we were, we had a task of looking at positive emotion and she said, well, I don't know what they're talking about because I think sleep 
makes the biggest difference. And I realized, yeah, if you want me to be really grumpy, just let me get really tired. Absolutely. And we all have that. And we know, again, from a a brain-based perspective that sleep impacts cognitive ability. So, of course, if I have a period where I'm not getting as much sleep, my choices will be less effective. So from a cognitive perspective. So that's when I'm reaching for the pizza or the McDonald's or the alcohol or whatever it is. And I'm not making as effective choices from a diet perspective. So we know the impact that that lack of sleep can have on people. And again, exercise. Yes, exercise. If you want a six pack, by all means, do your crunches. And if you're worried about what your body looks like, But for me, the reason I want to exercise is from a brain perspective because I know I'm creating more neural pathways. I'm producing the chemicals that my brain needs in order to keep my brain healthy so I'm less likely to get Alzheimer's and dementia later. You know, so there's all sorts of other good things for that as well. But whatever you're doing it for, we know that eat, sleep and exercise are actually three of the critical things from a well-being perspective. And the other area, of course, is relationships, because we know from all of the research around the world, hundreds of thousands of studies, that one of the biggest components of well-being is human connection. And I think we forget that. And I know myself, if I'm having a um, grumpy day, I travel a lot. And I often find myself, as you do, in your hotel room on your own, thinking, oh, where am I today? Um, And you sometimes feel a bit kind of like flat down. Now, one thing I know I can do is potentially go to the gym, go for a walk, do some exercise, and that will probably make me feel better. But of course, if I'm grumpy, I don't want to. (laughs) And so therefore, the human connection, sometimes you don't want to pick up the phone and and ring people, connect to people because you're feeling grumpy. And yet, actually, one of the best things we can do is reach out and have that human connection. And I know for me that is particularly wonderful when I'm away a lot, travelling in a different country, different time zone, etc. cetera, um, whether it's my partner or whether it's my team, there is nothing lovelier when you're having a grumpy moment than actually somebody connecting with you. And by the time you've got up a 10-minute phone call, you're already feeling a little better. Mm. It is good. I know I'm... So I'm in a hotel room right now and... Um, I did get a text this morning from my daughter telling me how much she loves me. And it's like, it's just like having a little hug at a distance. Absolutely. And it it makes such a difference, that human connection, that reaching out, the little things that people think of, or just a quick conversation. Yeah. And and one of the things that, um, that I love is that this, when we do experience positive emotion, it's like a little burst of energy and I'm more likely to be able to get up and go and do something why does that happen so well again Barbara Fredrickson talks about the upward spiral um, and we've all experienced this we've all experienced that moment when we have a positive emotion and then we feel like we can then go on and do the next thing and there are many reasons for that but one of the things that I always look at is what happens in the brain well you and I are having a fabulous conversation now chances are Both of our brains are producing dopamine, which is the fuel for our brain. It's like a little reward sensation for our brain, which means I am more likely to go and do something positive afterwards. And again, if you consider that as an upward spiral, the more little baby bursts I get off that in a good way, obviously dopamine is also linked to addiction in a not so good way. Um, But if we can use our dopamine to reward ourselves in a real positive way, it creates that upward spiral of emotions. So I'm more likely to make a better choice um, when I'm in that space. Nice. And, um, and I love, so, so from, from the perspective of positive emotion, then we really need to treasure and value our relationships. 
Absolutely. And I think the important thing is not how many you've got, just because you happen to have more friends on Facebook than me or you get more likes. That's really not it. It's the, the actual human connection. And yes, technology can be wonderful for that. Um, you know, like you said, your text, knowing that someone cares about you. But the relationships we're talking about here is the, the, the person who will not only be there when things are going wrong, but the person who will be there when things are going right. You want someone who's going to be absolutely, genuinely joyful for you when the good things happen as well. And I think they're the nurturing relationships that are, are really critical, not just whether somebody likes my post on Facebook. But, but having that someone who's able to share your joys and your successes as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, can I come back for a sec, Sue, to um, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, that there are times when, yep, we're ready to get down to the gym or go out for a run or do some of the strategies that we know will help boost positive emotions in our day. And that there are some times when, we're feeling a bit lower, sad or grumpy or whatever, and, and it's harder to do that. Can you talk a little bit about how we can kind of match strategies to where we are? Yeah, look, that's a really good um, question because it links to the smorgasbord analogy as well. Um, there are some ingredients or some tools or some strategies that suit certain situations or certain emotions better than others. So if I'm feeling particularly sad and down and flat and lethargic, whilst going and doing some exercise might be valuable to me, I'm probably not likely to want to um, because I am in that more low energy negative emotional state. That might be when a nice quiet conversation with a friend might be helpful or it might be when journaling is helpful and actually writing down how I'm feeling and, and the sadness and getting it out on paper. Um, it might be when I jot down the things I'm grateful for and I stop and I think about those and I try and save and hang on to those. So they might be more lower energy strategies that might suit if I'm in a hotel room by myself and I'm feeling a bit sad and low and down. Um, whereas if I'm angry, maybe going for you know, pumping iron in the gym might be exactly Pick what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so again, different emotions probably require different strategies, or at least for you to think about with what I'm feeling right now, and more importantly, where do I want to be? Because it's not always about getting out of a negative emotion. As we've said, negative emotions are bad. Uh, and I'll give you an example of, from my own life um, where I thought it was really important to sit with the emotion. So a couple of years ago, somebody very close to me um, back in the UK passed away. And I, for various reasons, I couldn't get back for the memorial. And I was feeling a little guilty about that. I was sad, obviously, she'd passed away, but I was feeling bad that I, I couldn't get back to England. And the day of her memorial, I found myself in a very grey hotel room in Melbourne. Uh, it wasn't the usual place that I stay. It was a very miserable kind of, it was perfect for actually how I felt. It was a very grey box type environment. And the next morning I had to do a keynote at a big event. And I was feeling, as I say, sad and down. And one of my, my colleagues actually texted me and said, would you like to come for dinner? I'll cook. And, you know, we know tonight is the night. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll cheer you up sort of thing. And I responded and said, actually, I am going to wallow in my sadness and grief tonight. And I got myself a little takeaway and I stayed up till 11 p.m., which was the time of the memorial in the UK. And um, I sat and I cried and I felt 
sad and I felt the loss and I felt the grief of this amazing person and I felt the gratitude of having her in my life and, and being so lucky to have known her that I allowed myself to, if you like, wallow in my emotions. And I'm so grateful I did that because I can imagine if I'd have just tried to go to bed and ignore it and hide it, go to dinner with my colleague, blah, blah, blah. Then the next morning I'm on stage at this big event. I can guarantee all my head would have been thinking about is I can't believe I wasn't there. I feel so bad. But I didn't need to because I'd done all that. And I think that's really important that we don't always want to just move on from an emotion yeah. straight away. Sometimes we just need to sit and we, we talk about wallowing, but really being kinder to ourselves, we could say fully experiencing. Absolutely. Accepting and fully experiencing. Okay. Yeah, and that's what we always talk about with emotions is about acceptance. But yeah. also then how long do you want to stay there? Yeah. I didn't want to stay grieving for weeks. Yeah. I wanted to experience it. And yes, of course, she comes to my mind. But now whenever she comes to my mind, it's always with gratitude. Yeah. Um, so it's about how do we actually allow the emotions to be there and then what strategies do we need to then do to move on in order to be able to not be stuck, if you like, in an emotional space. Okay, and we're just, as we're coming to a close, Sue, I have two more questions for you. Mm. One is, if you could only do one thing to help people's well-being for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> it's an it's a excellent question. Um, do you know what it would be to continue to uh, practice and try and fail and try again and keep focusing on my well-being? And that sounds terribly selfish, but all the research tells me if I make a difference to me, I stand more chance of impacting the people around me's well-being. Oh, and I love that because we know there is a lot of research around when, people, when people's well-being improves, it tends to improve the well-being of the people near them. So, so for anyone listening who's, who, who hasn't prioritized their own well-being, here's another reason to do that. Okay. So, Sue, last question. What's your go-to strategy for boosting your well-being when you feel frustrated or down? When I'm feeling down, it's usually to try and reach out somehow um, because I know it's the last thing I want to do and yet it is actually the thing that will make me feel better. And that could be reach, reaching out in a number of different ways, whether it's to somebody I love um, and I'm close to or whether it's um, one of our diploma students and I'm just sending a little message, whether it's writing a gratitude card to somebody um, or whether it's going out on the street and picking up litter and feeling like I'm doing a little random act of kindness for people. When I'm feeling frustrated, it's always to get a little win. Um, so sometimes, you know, there's so much going on and I've got so much work to do and I'm my desk, I come back and there's stuff everywhere and there's emails everywhere and it's like, okay, we're going to pick one thing and we're going to just tick this off and then, okay, now I can get organized. So frustration is probably more action orientated. Yeah down is probably more human connection orientated oh so thank you so much for being with us today i've really enjoyed it and um, thank you for being here absolute pleasure my dear i always love it thank you Sue has reminded us today just how important positive emotion is for our well-being. I'll be taking lots of messages away. And my favorite has to be that emotions are just information. They're just data. And it's really helpful to learn how to make good use of that information. 
While there are many strategies we can use to improve our well-being, it's always good to remember the basic body ones like eat, sleep and move or exercise. We know they make an enormous difference to our psychological well-being as well as our physical well-being. And once again, we're reminded of the importance of our relationships for well-being. Connecting with people who love you, whether to give or receive love, is a great way to build your resilience and your well-being. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. If you'd like to listen to a podcast of this show, you can find it on or.org.nz or at nziwr.co.nz. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. For more information on how schools, communities and workplaces can grow their well-being and resilience, go to nziwr.co.nz.